Welcome to Game On Girl. This is your host, Regina McMenemy. And today, Rhonda and I have a very exciting show for your listening pleasure. We have another live interview scheduled today. Michelle is here to talk to us about her experiences as a gamer. So why don't we start out with you giving us a little bit of uh, your history and background gaming experience, Michelle? Well, uh, to start off with, I started gaming back when I was about uh, six years old. I discovered a Nintendo with my cousins at the time. And as time went on, we, we used that as a platform to interact with each other and to bond as, as a family. Um, as time went on later on, I, I really took a liking to, to video games and board games, card games. Um, so I was kind of all over the board with, with how I defined myself as a gamer. So you have a lot of different uh, types and mediums that you play. You're not sort of strictly one or the other. Um, no, I'm all, I am all over the board, right. Um, I primarily do enjoy video games, but I do venture into card games and board games and whatnot. So Nice. Did you ever take um, a hiatus like I did when, um, I mean, our, my family was huge into gaming and board games, but... I, there's a huge gap between my gaming experience. Did you notice that kind of change too? Also, uh, not really. Actually, um, with with immediate family, there was a lot of board games and whatnot that we used. Uh, when I got to extended family, we used the video game consoles as a way to bring ourselves together and and take turns and um, encourage each other and whatnot. So it, it's been consistent all the way through. Cool. Yeah, that's nice that you sort of have it. I have, I have gaps. I have some pretty big gaps actually. Where I think mostly in high school, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of gaming. As soon as I got into college, I sort of picked back up with it again. Um, but I have like specific games I remember playing at specific times in my life. So when I sort of look back on my, on my life history, I think, oh, I was playing this at that time. <laughs> yeah, I, I had those same experiences. At about seven years old, I discovered Final Fantasy, which I still love to this day. But uh, there's that. There's uh, the survival horrors when those were popular. And, of course, now with MMOs being as big as they are, mm-hmm. um, I definitely get lured in with those. So which MMOs do you play? Um, right now, I play Star Wars and WoW. And WoW, yeah. The two big ones right now. Right, right. <laughs> sort of battling it out. Good. Well. Right. So how would you how would you go about defining a gamer then based on some of your experience and and uh, well my definition of a gamer is anyone that uh, primarily enjoys playing games as as a hobby um, so whether it be digital games or board games card games some if it's a hobby of yours where it's a game and it it ventures to something that goes beyond just what you do in closed quarters uh, you would be a gamer then. So people that go to, car- to socialize for card games or go to car- uh, like tournaments like Magic the Gathering tournaments to video gamers that you know, speak avidly on forums and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, anything of that sort. There's conventions that you can go to, tournaments you can go to, Ryan. Uh, anything that mm-hmm. really makes you go beyond uh, the, your, the safety of your home a little bit, kind of venture out and be part of a community uh, in some way, and of course well, enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I don't think anybody else we've talked to has expressed it quite that way in that. Um, I mean, like with um, RC hobbyists, they, they, you know, they usually meet together and, and run their remote control 
helicopters or whatever. They've got, you know, clubs. Quilters have clubs. And um, I don't think anybody's ever mentioned uh, about, you know, actual physical social gathering or even just uh, arranging um, a digital gathering to, to play and share your hobby. Right. And that, that's exactly what it is. Like, if you think of anyone that defines themselves as a gamer, at some degree, they go to forums or they go to conventions or something. So at mm-hmm. that point, they become part of a community. And that, at that point, you become a gamer. Right. Even, at, even people who um, play miniature games or more elaborate board games who meet at game stores and play there, that's still a social gathering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's one of the things I think that's the most powerful about, you know, being a gamer and defining yourself as a gamer is including yourself in that society and in that group, in that, in that community. Right, and it's, it's relative. At that point, you're, you're able to express yourself with other people that are like-minded to some degree, and that really helps that, uh, building that community, too. Yep, Definitely. Well, now, obviously, since you play um, MMOs, and uh, Regina and I both follow you on, on Twitter and stuff like that. We know what types mm-hmm. of games you play. Um, the one, Of course, one of her biggest uh, questions is about avatar development. And can you tell okay. us about um, how you create avatars um, currently and maybe how that's changed over time but since you've been playing games for so long? Well, it's funny that you should say that because, to, to clarify, uh, I am transgender. I am a male to female transsexual. So for me, uh, there's, a, there's a point where you're in a closet, right? And you hear the, the closet stories from people that are either gay or trans or whatever. And one of the things that I always did is I always, when I made avatars, I made big burly guys to try to ha- reaffirm this identity I was trying to create, trying to convince people I was, uh, was a guy. Even if I tried, I ventured into a girl avatar once, and at that point I was so uncomfortable because I, I knew what was going on, and I didn't want anyone to question me on it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, now that I've come out, I actually find that a lot of the avatars I create are um, they're more based on my appearances or, or things I wish I could portray in myself, uh, whether it be hairstyles or builds or... Um, tans etc so in that respect there's some there's definitely some self-gaming that's going on because i'm trying to see myself as some of the avatars i create so then you're saying your avatars now are more often female uh more often than not they're female characters whereas before before my coming out i i shied away from that just because i didn't want anyone to try to question who i was so was there a, a, a sense for you? One of, one of the things the guy said in the, in the uh, Secret Geek Shame episode was about authenticity and about representing themselves in sort of a true way. And because you were sort of trying to fit your, your identity into a box that you didn't feel comfortable in, you, you didn't want people to sort of be in question your, your authenticity or your representation. Is that kind of what was going on? That's a good way to put it. Um, and you're right. The, the boys did talk about that in the last episode. And as soon as I heard them say that about being authentic, like a light bulb went off on my head. I'm like, all right. So I was trying to be authentic as a guy. And, and I tried to reaffirm that. Now with the female characters, I'm being authentic to who I am as mm-hmm. I identify. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely what's going on now. Is I'm, I'm being authentic to who I am. 
just being me. And it's nice having those female avatars there where I get treated uh, and respond the way that uh, a woman would normally, you would stereotypically think of. Because you talk about it, boy avatars and girl avatars do get treated differently at times. Yeah, that's one of the... Go ahead, Rhonda. No, I was just I was going to just confirm that yeah, that's what we've consistently heard. Right, that that those those stereotypes and and the treatment of of, you know, boys versus girls, males versus females maps directly in into people's game experiences. So, and it's very true. Mm-hmm. Um people that see female avatars will t- uh, just assume that there, it's a female behind the computer, mm-hmm. even though we know better. We know that a lot of female avatars are played by males in games like World of Warcraft and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But they, that's absent-minded unless that person's announcing that their avatar is just that. It, they, they completely throw that concept out the window. Right. And they see a female, they treat that person like a woman. A, a male avatar treats that person like a guy. Right. So, so for you, in, in sort of your process of, of coming out and coming to recognize um, your own sort of gender identity, d- does that assumption on their part sort of help you in, in how you sort of see yourself and, and the fact that you don't have to sort of work to define who you are, maybe like you might have to in the physical world? It helps a lot. Um, it really helps authenticate just who I am. Um, the fact that my treatment uh, that I receive is on par with what I can respond to better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no trying. Uh, in the physical world, there's, there's attributes of height and build and whatnot that you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And in the, the game, you don't have to worry about that. In the game, you have these pre-made, almost desirable looking avatars that you mm-hmm. just customize to some degree mm-hmm. and that's what people usually base and treat you on is what they see in that game not versus what they assume you look like right but still we keep talking um like you mentioned like you mentioned michelle and in previous episodes people still treat the visual in a stereotypical way they treat female avatars like women, and they treat male avatars like men. They are treated, you know, based on the, on their gender. And it's true. One of the guilds I run in, uh, that they only know that I'm female. They they don't realize I'm trans, and that's how they treat me, which is great. Um, now with cross realm uh, services that you can do in World of Warcraft, I have some of my old characters, which are male tunes. And even then, these people that know that uh, know me as Michelle, they will s- respond sometimes to how they would respond to a guy with those male avatars. So it's almost instinctive that when they see, uh, once they've gendered you based on what they see in front of you, that's how they react and treat you. So what is your... Um what is your view then of the options that are available in MMOs for um, creating an avatar? So when you sit down to create your avatar, what types of things do you look for that are um, that are most important? Are you looking at like class and species, or do you enjoy that time period where you get to be able to, to build a look? That's actually a really good question. Um, I usually stay with uh, humanoids in general. Uh, humans and elves and whatnot. I tend to go with uh, elves or humans just because they tend to be taller classes in general, as far as species concerned, and that kind of reflects in me because I'm I'm a tall person. Um, as far as 
actual looks. I don't do that so much as I, as I go through and look at like hairstyles or piercings or whatnot. And I try to decide, does that look cute? Would that be something I would do, <laughs> et cetera. So uh, for a lack of better terms, it's kind of a game with dress up while creating the avatars. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, and it can. That's take, perfect. Yeah, that is. That's a perfect metaphor, actually, for for exactly what what I experience too when I go through it. You know, do I like this? Would I wear my hair this way? Would would I have this kind of tattoo or piercing or or whatnot? Or um, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes. I can't remember now. They're starting to all bleed together. My first um, my first avatar in World of Warcraft had a, an ear piercing at the top of the ear that that uh-huh. I absolutely covet. I still covet. I, I don't actually have it, but but that was that was something I was very sort of conscious of. I went, oh, I can do this in the game, and and I don't have to sort of uh, commit to it to you know in a, in a real way, but I can have it on my avatar. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Um, a lot of my uh, human avatars in, in World of Warcraft, you know that the the female characters can have a piercing in their nose, mm-hmm. and that's been one that I've kicked around quite a bit uh, because of my professionalism mm-hmm. i can't have facial piercings but the game allows me to have that right right so you can have sort of the best of both worlds really exactly yeah yeah it's the same way as um being in a coffee shop and wanting to tell the barista off but you can't <laughs> <laughs> in game you can be a badass <laughs> pull out the gun the, uh, imaginary thing. isn't that the truth though <laughs> yeah definitely well d- you're surrounded it sounds like with being on um online gaming and in mmos with a, a a good social community for gaming but uh does your family know that you're a gamer or any of your coworkers, anybody like that who's not traditionally a gamer, do they know you're a gamer and how do they react to that? <laughs> um, it's actually been pretty pronounced. I have uh, a family member now will at least get one video game of some variety for uh, birthday or Christmas, so I can always count on new games that way. Um, workers and whatnot, there's, there's no doubt. Um, the amount of speaking I do of, of video games, it's, it's clear that I'm a gamer. And actually, I get a lot of positive responses to it. There's someone that, uh, for, just for example, two days ago I was at work and I was helping someone and they started talking about The Sims. And I was able to sit there like, oh, yeah, and we, sh- we were shooting questions back and forth about the game and what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. Um, it's not really that big of a stretch to think of uh, uh, gamers as more than just people that live in their parents' basements, <laughs> right? That, that's been a long-living stereotype of gamers. It's, they're in some dungeon somewhere of a basement on their computer or console, and that's all they're doing, and that's not the case anymore. We have doctorates. We have salespeople. We have people from a whole variety of walks of life out there playing games and it's getting to a point where we can talk about it comfortably and it's just part of everyday conversation the fact that i was my day job i sell phones right but the fact i'm able to talk about video games while trying to do the other job it it comes up all the time um yeah i would think there would be a lot of cross with with that um you know because of smartphones and because of the games that are on smartphones you would have a good sort of cross-pollination between that and your gaming there is to some degree, and it really helps with that because you can really describe some of those games to detail. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it's pretty obvious that you're a gamer. If you know this much about a game, it's not just a, a sales pitch. It's 
oh, this person actually plays video games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, Michelle, do you think that there's a point um, that you can po- we can point out in um, either marketing or in technology or whatever that, that sort of has made gaming mainstream? Ooh. And of course, it, that I mean, that's just a, a, a big um, sort of brain dump idea, but Oh gosh, that's so hard. With with some of the the conventions and the media driven around it, um, the fact that the Com- well Comcast had a channel dedicated to just video games. Um, as more exposure came to it, it, I just feel that that became more mainstream, and that can be the case with some things, a lot of different things. Where as it has more attention around it, it becomes more mainstream, more realized, and more accepted. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. They fo- they follow the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you go into a a place like even Hot Topic, which is geared around music, but there's so many video game themed items there. There's uh, t-shirts you can buy. You can buy health and mana potions there. Mm-hmm. There's plastic Mario mushrooms you can buy there. Yeah, hats <clears throat> and gaming's yeah. really branched out into other other businesses and whatnot, and it's become more visible to everyone. Yeah. So, so well, I'll ask you both this question because that's part of what I, I talked about that a little bit in the last chapter of the dissertation. But what what do you guys think? And I'm curious about what you think about the sort of mainstreaming of game culture. You know, I mean, I, I think it's good in some aspects, but I wonder if it's sort of, um, you know, if we think about the money and and the, the capitalizing on on a community that was sort of already established. What what do you guys think about that? Do you think that's a sort of good movement? Put you both in the hot seat for this one. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Michelle. Um, well, from a business aspect, it definitely makes a lot of sense to do it, and it's not a bad move on their part. Capitalizing on something that's there helps with not having to establish something brand new and try to bring it to the public eye. It's already there; they're just mm-hmm. working with that. Right. Um, and with that, it's not so bad for us. I say this very carefully, but it's not so bad for us as gamers either because it. Uh, products and whatnot that are geared towards us are more visible to us. Not only that, but we become more visible as as gamers. Right. We're not. This goes back to what I was saying before. We're not people that live in our parents' basements, or we're not jobless wonders that just sit in front of a console or a computer all day. We're we're more than that. So I, I think overall it does us a favor. Yeah, I agree. And the. Um the other thing is, I think, even though things always seem to be taken to a point of extreme where if, if marketing can somehow take advantage, they will, you know, eventually mm-hmm. they'll move into a position that's like, oh, there's money here. Right. But at the same time, we're getting better games. The technology is being pushed, um, which means that we're constantly getting um, challenges in games and stories and visuals, and uh, we're getting top quality products. Right. And that's great because we have some game developers, several, and they're all very competitive, right. which is just is wonderful. Right, and that ups that ups the ante for everybody. And, yep. and because it is more more visible and because more people are paying attention to gamers as a you know as a market not not you know not a subculture market not a niche market anymore but you know uh, its own i don't know what word i'm looking for um 
I want to say community, but it, but that's not quite what I'm trying to get at. That that that, that it's it's own, a demographic. Yeah, it's demographic. It's own, yeah, exactly. Yep. Demographic segment of the population. You know that. You know that large sort of. In, you know that size. You know they're they're seeing that. You know that there really is something there for it. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the other nice thing. Well, the other thing that I like, too, about the gaming community, it's, it's one of the few trending things where, in general, almost anyone is accepted. There are, there are plenty yeah. of... Uh, very douchey people that play on MMOs. There's, there's <laughs> well, and on Xbox Live those, and in everywhere, you know, you know. There's, yes, there's always exactly. that segment work of the population and stuff like right. that. But when you've got, um, I, when we go to visit like a, a tabletop gaming group, everybody is so happy that somebody new is there, and they're happy to teach. And um, the gaming community just. My experience so far has just been that they are a whole lot more accepting than pretty much anyone and not not nearly as um, like, you know, the popular cheerleading type where it's like um, we're elite. It's just us and right. uh, you, don't, you don't fit. It, it, it's a it's a community of inclusion. Yes. Rather than yeah. exclusion. And, and there is some, you know, some elements of, you know. Oh, you're not hardcore or what whatnot that that might go on depending on what yeah. kind of gameplay there is. But but it seems the overarching thing for most gamers is an, is a sense of acceptance. So so Michelle, for for you as as a transsexual and then sort of having that identity, do you find that the gaming community is a place of acceptance and um, uh, uh, support for you in, in that regard? Absolutely. Um, actually, I, I was thinking about this as, as you're starting to state the question that I identify as a gamer first, as a transsexual second. <laughs> and that's just because the overall community, the overarching community is very, very supportive. They're just happy to have people there. They don't care if you're black, white, transitioning, gay, straight, usually. Mm-hmm. You're going to get some douchebags out there that just, they're trolls. They're going to they'll take on to the fact that you're different in some way and they'll attack you for it. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're actually a minority of those people. Right. Overall, people are very accepting. They're just like, oh, all right, well, can you do this at least? Can you play this well? <laughs> well, yeah, I can play it well. well. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And we, uh, you mentioned this, Regina, I believe, in the dissertation and also early on in, in that gaming by nature is just a great leveler. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It puts everybody on the same playing field. In in games where, you know, and that because I, I was talking about gender, I think when I was talking about that, you know, for for many women who are not um who are in situations where they're still making less money than than their male counterparts even with equal skills and experience. Right. Right. None of that exists in game. None of that exists. It doesn't matter if your avatar is male or female, you, you know, you get your experience points exactly the same way somebody else does. So, you know, it is a it is a great equalizer. It's a great sort of um, democracy, such as it were, where you know you know everybody sort of has that equal chance to to do what they can and to become the best that they can. And, and that segues true. good. Yeah, that segues really well into um, Michelle. What what differences, if any, do you see between? Uh, male gamers and female gamers, the way that they um, act 
act in game or treat each other in game. Um, is there a difference between um, a guy who plays games versus a girl who plays games? Um, that's a good question. I I find that uh, there's both men and women can definitely be supportive and whatnot. Um, you you find at least I find that a lot of the women gamers that I come across sometimes in MMOs they do it for uh, a social aspect. They go questing and whatnot, and they'll they'll level the characters, but they might not always be focused on end game content. Mm-hmm. And and um, it's it's kind of a social platform to that some degree. Um, they're they're primarily there to play the game, but they're also there to uh, talk with people and whatnot. You're more likely to find women in guilds than guildless, and men tend to go it alone. Um, and you find a, find less trolls uh, as women. More, most trolls tend to be male character male players. Um, so there's a lot less machismo going on there in that respect too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that sort of um, uh, having to prove yourself. That that you know, I, I, if you a few women that I talked to in the study talked about you know getting on vent and being the only female voice and automatically getting hit on by <laughs> every one of the guys on the channel because they sort of had to prove that they were you know that they were guys. And that was the way that they did it when she showed up on the on the voice chat. Yep, and that I definitely see the same thing. I, I secretly had sympathy for a lot of those uh, women that joined us in Vent back in any time because they had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, female voice, how old are you? Can yeah. I hit on you? Yeah. Are you safe to hit on? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it just matters to go out the, do- out the door sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I loved about what Ryan said in the in the Secret Geek Shame episode about you know don't do anything online that you wouldn't do in person with somebody. <laughs> and that's so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. It's like, would you do that to someone that's right in front of you? Right. Yeah. Probably you not. Behind a screen. Why would you do that now? If you didn't have a controller or a keyboard that you were you know operating, would you be behaving this way? So, yeah, it's sort of a good a good ground rule to keep in mind. So. Absolutely. Wait. You mentioned early on um, at the beginning a whole lot of your MMO play is about um, communication and about socializing. Is that still an, the, a, ma- a major aspect of the gaming community that you like? Um, it's Yeah, it's absolutely a big part of the community that, that I like. Uh, my biggest driving force behind playing WoW at this point since I, I have to agree with the boys that Blizzard's become an evil empire, um, <laughs> is that I go back for the people that are playing. There are certain people that I enjoy playing with just because of the, the interactions that we have in the community that we've built within, with our guild and whatnot. Um, that, that drives me back. So playing on a social level is definitely important to me. Um, in Star Wars, I don't have that as much. Uh, but because I, I view the game differently as far as what I'm trying to do in it, I, I can go it alone for a while, um, trying to accomplish different things in game and still enjoy the challenges that are set forth. World of Warcraft doesn't do that as much anymore, so I had to readjust how I viewed the game. And as soon as I viewed it as a social platform mm-hmm. that I can interact with people, I, I was able to keep playing the game instead of unsubscribing. 
So, so, so would it be fair to say, or to, to sort of make an analysis here about that, that at least for right now, that, that WoW is sort of a place where you are more of a self-player, and Star Wars may be more of a mastery if you're more comfortable sort of, you know, you said, um, working on, on the game and sort of learning the game. Do you think that that's sort of a um, distinction between the two experiences you're having? I would say that's pretty accurate because at this point, um, when I look at WoW, I look at the characters I have in-game and despite the race, uh, I see them uh, projecting myself into the game and interacting with those people. Mm -hmm. Whereas Star Wars, I'm I'm definitely playing through, trying to learn things and whatnot, and I'm not so worried about the character that portrays me as much as I am just learning the game and understanding the mechanics of it. Right, getting it sort of down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you enjoying Star Wars? I am. Um, I have a really BA uh, Sith warrior. She she dual wields lightsabers, and I have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen videos of that. Uh, you know uh, that game style, and it looks pretty fantastic. Yeah, don't want to cross paths with her. She's still lower <laughs> leveled, but yeah, for for her level, I, I definitely think that I've given her quite an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what classes, so, so that's a warrior, what classes do you generally play? Do you do any healing or do you do mostly DPS and tanking? Um, I primarily do DPS classes, uh, with, with, um, warrior classes and whatnot that could substitute as a tank. You usually see me in PVP environments. Oh, okay. Um, if I'm in PVE areas, you usually find me as casters, uh, a mage or a warlock. Um, my, my main character that I do PvE stuff with, so dungeons crawling and, and raids, it tends to be a hunter. Nice. So so distant <laughs> distant damage. That's where I usually like to be too. <laughs> a- absolutely. Well, um, people, you talked about, I think it was in episode one or two, and you talked about how women enjoy healers as mm-hmm. the challenge the role brings. Mm-hmm. I feel that the reputation that hunters have is so horrible that the challenge is to prove that I'm not a bad hunter like everyone else. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a, a definite class that's kind of ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everybody wants to make sure they get a healer in there and they get a tank in there. And then playing the hunter that doesn't seem, especially when I was doing research on, uh, uh, basically I had a hunter in Diablo. Uh, the, the builds for it were... That, that I could find were sort of so-so, well, you know, she's pretty good, but you really need to have this class and this class and this class if you're really going to be successful. And I, I did great with uh, my, I think she's an Amazon in Diablos, the class. Yeah, sure. I think, I think that is, yeah, I've played that one too. <laughs> yep, I've also played the Amazon. Yeah, um, I, I rolled a hunter recently um, in, in WoW. I, I have a I have a really hard time doing alts. I have my my warlock as my main, and I don't I don't really, I sort of lose interest about level fifty five, which I have two alts at fifty five right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's a tough spot. Yeah, that's such a tough spot to be. Yeah, it just it just gets it starts to feel like a grind. I think for me, you know, leveling at that point. But um, when I told another gaming friend of mine that I was going to roll a hunter, his reaction was, "Oh, that's such a lazy class." <laughs> Shame. And he says that to the warlock in all classes. I know, right? 
<laughs> Man. I was um, just like, is that or the nickname that we get as hunters? A lot of hunters get called huntards. Yes. So, of course, you have that stigma <laughs> following you, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and, horrible. Yeah, I did have a, an instance in one um, random dungeon that I was in that I was running to level where I didn't realize that my pet had sort of gone nuts and was <laughs> aggroing every group in one of the dungeons and I didn't realize what was going on because I wasn't used to that mechanic yet and I, I got some really not, not very favorable um, reactions <laughs> from the people I was running with. They are like, would you knock it off? And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> the infamous hunter polls. Yes. yes. I, I've experienced that once um, and gosh, it doesn't help. You just... Uh, I felt so bad for doing it because it's like uh, I was not trying to do that. I know that mechanic better than that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly My bad. how I felt too. I was just like, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't, you know, I thought it was just that the tank kept pulling everybody and I didn't realize until they started yelling at me in the group chat, knock it off, Hunter. And I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now both of you guys are WoW players. I've never played WoW and you've been on for uh, playing the game for quite a while and you made mention earlier about evil blizzard um the other thing that has becoming popular or that is becoming popular is creating some sort of social network with whether or not you've got a a website or whatever it is that you've got somehow it's got to have a social network tied to it um Mm -hmm. etsy was a uh handcraft retail side they added a social network to it do you think that that is what wow has become for blizzard i'm asking both of you (laughs) that's a good question that's a really good question yeah i i think if, if we look at some of the moves that blizzard's made around wow recently and and in part you know as uh, Michelle and I can both say, so we, we both, I, I've only done the trial for, for Star Wars, but I probably will at some point play it. Um, and, and, and in anticipation of Star Wars coming out, one of the things that Blizzard did at BlizzCon last year was offer um, year subscriptions at a discounted rate. And if you took the year subscription, you got a couple of other bonuses. You got a mount and you got um, Diablo 3 free, right? Wasn't that, yep. that was the, that right. was the, yeah, that was the, yep. the thing for that. So I, I think I, I think you might be right. I think that that keeping people engaged in the social, I think that was part of what they were thinking of with those moves. Um, mm. Get you committed to a year, so so you're hooked into the game for a year, um, which was you, you didn't. There's no there'd never been an option before for a year purchase. It'd always been six months. Um, so get you hooked in for a year, uh, give you something cool in game that will, you know, establish that you have that. <laughs> and here's our next, you know, our next big thing you can have, you can have for free. So, so I, I think that all that is, is part of them wanting to maintain that subscribership and, and keep people coming back to the game. So, hmm. um, well, that. I would agree that's part of it. Um, I also think that they're probably doing that because they were hemorrhaging subscribers for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of anticipation for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel that a lot of the, the microtransactions that Blizzard does with World of Warcraft definitely gives that social aspect, though. The fact that you can buy special mounts or special pets, right. um, that's that's definitely showing that you're... you're well, it goes back to show off, basically, to everyone else. Like, well, look what I got. And you got a right. um, yeah. mini mag grouse or a sparkle yeah. pony or something. <laughs> you have glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Glitter's so much fun. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So so do, I, do uh, Rhonda... So we're, we keep talking about WoW on the show. So are you mm-hmm. are you tempted? <laughs> um, no, not in the least. But you know you I want did. To. I did spend um, almost eight hours yesterday preparing my five characters for Diablo three. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That I, I mean, I a friend of mine. We've been emailing each other. He's already got his on pre order, and they've been emailing videos back and forth and different articles. And he sent something comparing D two to D three, and I wrote back and I said, "I'm sitting here um, designing classes. I've already gone down the rabbit hole. I've met a sorceress named Sabra, and we're going for a ride." <laughs> That's fantastic. It's, it's bad when because when I'm in, I'm in, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I know about myself. Right. And, um, when you commit we're, to it, we're all you, in. You for do it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can I can understand that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Have, yes, haven't quite dedicated that much time to to a character <laughs> tree, but um, <laughs> I can so understand to some degree what exactly that's like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when that's all you've got, that that's what you get excited about. I mean, yeah. there's nothing else out there. I'm kind of bored with looking at the video clips and stuff like that. And there was um, there's a companion side that's sponsored by Blizzard that's having some um, um, in-game class banner contest and art contest, and that's kind of what spurred it on. So that's that's what I was spending time doing yesterday is designing banners and. Well, that's, a, that, that's an excellent example of um, using the community and, and sort of building the community pre-game because, uh, you know, everybody's been waiting for Diablo yes. 3. I mean, everybody's been waiting for it. Everybody that I game with is like, and, and that was part of the pull for my friends that I know who bought the year subscriptions to WoW. It didn't do it to continue playing WoW. I mean, you know, they were committed to playing, but they didn't, that wasn't the inspiration for them. The inspiration for them was... To get Diablo three, <laughs> yeah, Diablo three is such a great perk. There's also the the fact that you get registered for the Mr. Pandaria uh, right. beta. Right. Um, I, I feel that was probably the other thing too, and that's uh, helped drive that anticipation for for their products going forward too. Yeah, there's multiple products that just kind of threat you and go, here you go, yeah. sign up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not particularly excited about pandas myself, so. <laughs> I love the way that that gaming is so diverse, is, and that yeah. there, there's so much out there that'll appeal so specifically to different people, mm-hmm. and how uh, a person will love one game and 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 just kind of get hooked on it, and and yeah. not necessarily another. I mean, my husband plays um, Battlefield Three, and I just don't think I could care anything about it. And <laughs> it really surprised me how much he's gotten into it because he's. It's not really. It's not a game I would have thought he would have enjoyed. <laughs> it's funny the way that works sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and the I, anticipation is funny, too. I think yeah. I always meant to tell you this story, Regina. I don't think I ever have. Way back when um, Mist was getting ready to come out. Oh, that was uh, one of we, the ones that I can remember exactly where I was when I played that game. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, I was in, uh, we were in a computer store and we were talking about um, new computers because we, even at that time, did not yet own a computer with a CD drive in it. And we, there's a demo set up in the store and this beautiful game going on. I was like, I've got to have that. <laughs> so for my birthday, we decided to go over to the store and buy it. Well, we, we still didn't quite have the money for the computer, but I'm like, you know what? I go ahead and get the disc and get the book out and read the book and right. see what all's in it. Well, you all who know that you bought Mist know that that book is blank. Mm-hmm. So when I opened that box up in the car, anxious to read and see pictures and find out how the game played and opened it up and it's nothing but a journal. Yeah. <laughs> blank pages. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I thought I was going to have something to hold me over until the game came, game came, uh, got the computer. But oh, that's sad. And that's, that was before they did the, um, cause they actually did a couple of novels based on the, on the, yes. on the mist, um, mythology as well. I remember reading that. I think I might still have a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, my husband laughed and laughed at me. Oh, so. man, that's, that's, that hurts. It just hurts. You're hoping it's going to keep you going, and then it doesn't. <laughs> well, I said there's nothing like that ultimate tease. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. But no. And they're really good at it. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. are. They are. Well, and that was... Um, I it, it, to be fair, you know, my my reaction to the pandas, I I think I think I react like that to all the expansions. I I always have this like, oh, what really uh reaction because uh, I ended up quitting for about 6 months, quitting wow right after Cataclysm came out because I was so excited about being able to fly everywhere because that was the big thing for for Cataclysm, right? That you could yep. fly everywhere. Well, I didn't realize that you were going to have to buy Cataclysm in, able to, in order to be able to fly everywhere. And so I sort of rage quit at that time. <laughs> and then ended up going back to it uh, because the one big thing that I was sort of anticipating was, oh, look at how great this is going to be. And then not being able to do it right away and having to, you know, drop the, you know, the 50 bucks to get the expansion or whatever it was sort of made me rebel but wow sucks you back in sort of that's what it should be called (laughs) it's so true though but the thing with wow and why it sucks a lot of people back in is because it's something that people are familiar with Mm -hmm. they're they're able to relate to what's got got on and they've Mm -hmm. invested a lot of time into it yeah yeah. Yeah. So when they look for something familiar, they're like, well, I, I know what WoW is all about. Right. I'll go back there. Exactly. Exactly. I can jump back in. And you can jump back in and start right where you were to, to a degree. You know, some things might change, but you can still sort of pick it back up again. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing I want to ask Michelle about is uh, kind of exactly that. <clears throat> right now, how often um, do you play and how much do you play? Uh, I usually log in a couple times a week. Um I what I do is because of the the gaming community or what I do with gaming uh, the fact that I work for gaming websites and whatnot I do log in on a regular basis after I'm done with my main job and WoW is one of the things I focus on on one of the websites I, I write for uh, so I would say gosh 
four to five hours, maybe a little bit more than that a week. And that's bounced between all the different titles that I play. Like, if I go to my desktop right now, WoW is definitely a big one. But I see uh, League of Legends. I see Assassin's Creed. I see StarCraft. I see uh, Tribes Ascend. I see a lot of different games on this desktop. And a lot of this content that's here that I play goes back to what I write about or make videos about. Um, so I, I can only dedicate so much time to WoW before it's like, all right, I got to focus on something else. Otherwise, I, I won't be as attuned to the other games when I'm trying to make content regarding it. For, yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. If you're writing about multiple different games, you end up sort of sticking your toe into, into all different kinds at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that back when, before I did all this, I probably played too much WoW. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has stories of too much WoW. That was the first time I ended up leaving WoW was when I was in the PhD program. And I just couldn't balance the time I needed to, to spend to, to play and to really play it. Uh, with my PhD coursework, I just had too much on my plate at that time. And so I was like, well, I'll let this go for now and I'll come back to it maybe later. And then when I went to do the, um, to start doing the interviews, I had been so out of touch. I didn't realize that Wrath of the Lich King had come out. <laughs> and so I didn't know the level cap had gone up and all kinds of different things had changed. So I went back and started playing again at that time. Sure, which at that t- and that happens with a lot of the expansions too. You actually have to dedicate a fair amount of time mm-hmm. with those expansions or games because there's just so much that changes. Um, even though the game itself is the same, so much of it changes. It's almost yeah. a brand new game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Always something new to learn. Well, Michelle, do you have any trouble um, bouncing between that many games? Because I, <clears throat> I'm intensely focused person, and I have to just play one game at a time. I've, I've got one on the console I play, and I've got one on my phone I play. But, <clears throat> man, I couldn't bounce between that many games. It, it's difficult. Um, between that and my consoles, my, my consoles get kind of neglected right now. Um, I, I can see them almost as I turn and look that they're kind of frowning, like, I want to be played too. Um, <laughs> We're dusty <laughs> over here. Do Why don't you love us anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have Assassin's Creed. We know you want to play. No. Um, it, it is a little bit of a challenge because there's certain things that you want to achieve. Um, when I, before uh, Regina got a hold of me for, for recording here, um, I was doing Assassin's Creed multiplayer. And it was there's uh, customizations to your avatars in that game, and it was uh, okay. I got to dedicate just a little more time here so I can get the. Uh, I was trying to get a corset for my assassin, and I I was putting in about an extra forty five minutes of gameplay trying to get that that piece just to customize that avatar a little bit more. And when yeah. when you get focused like that, it gets hard to go back. Like, okay, I gotta work on this game, this game, this game. <laughs> I have trouble switching between the mechanics if I go from having played, you know, WoW or you know, an RPG or something, and then I try to jump into Left for Dead or a, a shooter, and I'm like, what buttons do I push to do what again? <laughs> do you like Left for Dead? Me? Oh, I love Left for Dead. Uh, I've been so tempted to get that one. It looks good. It is. It is really fun. I mean, you know, it's and it's it's nice that it's multiplayer, and I have people that you know that I play with it. But there are sometimes when I've had a bad day at work, there is nothing more cathartic <laughs> than a bunch of zombies and a chainsaw. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> 
I absolutely love it. <laughs> that can right all the wrongs of the world. <laughs> it's so true. I, I have to laugh because I know I've done the same thing mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I've played with a friend of mine and she's like, God, you know, you were just going at those zombies at the chainsaw. Because <laughs> there's one place you can stand where they're like coming up out of a manhole and I just stood over the manhole and was just taking them down one after another after another. And was, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it's, it's, it's Yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of satisfaction because, you know, there's a lot of finesse that goes into playing role playing games and doing it well and um, knowing your class and knowing your, you know, your talent trees and all the things that go in that make, you know, RPGs a rich experience. There's something really tempting about just dropping that and running into, you know, a character you don't have to build. You can just pick up whatever weapons happen to come to you and you get a grenade launcher and you can kill, you know, a group of zombies yeah. in one shot. You know, there's, there's something very sort of a nice balance to that. And I don't get a lot of time to play that either, but, um, but I do enjoy it when I, when I get the chance. It's a I, great yeah, way to really stress. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, 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 I'll pick up Dead Nation like that. I downloaded mm-hmm. that on my console and I can pick it up anytime and just go out there and just, you know, yeah. slot. Yeah, exactly. That's, and I think everybody needs that kind of game <laughs> or all gamers need that kind of game where you can just kind of jump in and have fun with it. So, well, Michelle, I, this has been great. This we really appreciate having you on. Um, Regina, is, is there anything else you want to uh, close up with? Uh, no, I just wondered if uh, Michelle had any closing thoughts for us, any, any message you want to send to our, to our listeners about um, trans identities for gamers or anything like that. Uh, now's your time. Oh, geez, that, that's, <laughs> no pressure. There's so many words to go with that. Um, I guess the biggest thing is is uh, as you're gaming with people, just take people for who they are. If if uh, granted, you got some people that take, try to take advantage of the systems, but just treat everyone as you want to be treated or as they prefer to, and just have a good time with what you're doing. That that's the biggest thing. If, if you have fun with what you're doing, if people that are around you and get involved with what you're doing will tend to do the same, and it it builds a great community. Yeah, it it really does. And thank mm-hmm. you. That's a great a great sentiment and a great great sort of closing thought for us here Excellent. otherwise other than that it's been a pleasure to be on the show with you guys i certainly appreciate it well thank you thank you for joining us thanks michelle it. yeah thank, thank you. you well that wraps up our show many thanks to michelle for coming to talk with us and to add a new and unique perspective to our gaming conversations i'll link to her blog on the site and you can also follow her on twitter at Michelle W32, that's Michelle with one L, so M-I-C-H-E-L-E W32. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Game on Girl via iTunes or the RSS feed on the website. Let me and Rhonda know if you have any uh, comments or questions or suggestions for the show. Uh, you can hit our Twitter accounts, which are listed on the website, and we'd love to hear back from you. Also, if you want to be interviewed for the show, let us know that as well. This podcast is recorded with Audacity, and the theme song, Good Day, by Triple Fox, is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, game on. Game on.